0: Glass is the only non porous surface material that you can get. And so that leads into hygiene and housekeeping and keeping things clean. And today's world, in the last two, three years, we're all concerned about being around people and with masks, without masks, vaccinated, unvaccinated. You know, it takes all of us to to kind of run everything here. And so we have to figure out how to make environments make sense, right? And, And usable. And so my feeling is I want to cover the whole world in glass.
1: Hey friends, and welcome to the Trend Report podcast, where we have real conversations with real people about all things contract interiors. My name is Sid Meadows, and I'm your host. I'm a business strategist and certified professional coach and a longtime student of the office furniture industry, and I'm excited that you're joining us today, and my hope is that you will gain some insights, inspiration, and motivation that will help you grow and your business grow. So let's dive into today's conversation. The Trend Report is proudly sponsored by The Insider a weekly newsletter delivering a quick dose of insights to get your Monday off to a well-informed start. The Insider combines meaningful industry perspective with recommended reads and product solutions, offering valuable intelligence and inspiration to anyone working in commercial interiors. To learn more about The Insider or to subscribe for free, please visit indeal.org slash The Insider. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Trend Report. I'm glad you're joining us today. I know it's going to be a really, really informative and fun conversation with our guest today, Veeple. Veeple, how are you today? I am great. How are you? I am doing awesome. So I didn't really introduce you. I just said your first name. Please take a moment and introduce yourself and tell our listeners uh, who you are and what you do.
0: So Veeple Bagat, I am Chief Operating Officer of Skyline Design. I have been with the company now for almost 29 years. We're uh, in January going to be 40 years old as a company. We're privately owned. Uh, we continue to th- uh, be that way. I am uh, actually in the process of becoming one of the owners of the company with the long tenure that I've had. This is pretty much what I, all that I know how to do. And, that's awesome. And so I've decided I'm going to keep doing it for, for the time being.
1: Well, congratulations to you. That's Thank exciting. You. 40 years old. That's also something to celebrate. When actually is the 40th anniversary?
0: It will be in January.
1: Awesome. That's great. Next year, yeah. So tell us a little bit about Skyline Design. I was reading up on you guys just a little bit and tell us a little bit about how you started and how you got sure. to what it is you do today.
0: So the company, when it started, uh, was started by Charles Rizzo and Nick Corriero. They are the founders of the company. They still have uh, a little bit of an active role, not necessarily in day-to-day operations. But they're certainly involved in the business financially, and they support me while I'm running it for them. They started the business in many different mediums, not just glass. Uh, we're known as a glass company today, but Nick and Charlie, uh, when they started the business back in the 80s, they were uh, using sculpture, art. The company was comprised of a lot of artists back then doing thematic work. Uh, we did a lot of hospitality and retail work. If you remember back to when the Luxor Hotel opened back in the, uh, in the 90s in Las Vegas, they had all of those uh, gold leaf mummies and whatnot. Uh, and so Skyline did all those. There was about oh, 30 wow. or 40 of them, big ones spread out through, the, uh, through the, the casino and the lobby. And uh, that was all work that was done here uh, in our factory in, in Chicago, made by artisans. All done by hand. It was all uh, foam sculpted, clay, hand painted, hand gold leaf. So that's the kind of work that that Charlie started with. And glass was one of the mediums uh, along with that. And over the course of the last probably 25 years, we shifted towards more and more glass. So glass became uh, an important part of our business. We tend to Stay in the contract side of things, uh, commercial, corporate, that kind of work. But yeah, so they—they they are artisans in their own right. Uh, they hired artisans. My background is, is uh, in architecture, so I am not necessarily a finance guy or a management guy. Uh, I pretty much learned everything here on the fly. They taught me everything that I know. Uh, they're my mentors, and uh, yeah, and so that's uh, that's our gig.
1: So. You know, I love the fact that every company has roots in something, right? And they started somewhere, especially companies that are celebrating 40 plus years in business have a story. So I appreciate you sharing the story. You know, the next time I walk through the Lux Hotel in uh, Las Vegas, I'm going to have a connection to that. And I think that's really, really unique. But let's talk for a minute about Glass, now, you're using glass as a broad term, but you're doing writable glass, architectural glass. So give us a little bit more definition about the types of products that you sell, please.
0: Sure. So like I said, about 25 years ago, we made, we made the decision to uh, go strictly in, into the architectural glass field. We, we had a lot of these artisans hand making a lot of the decorative glass that, uh, that we made back then. We'd still do some handwork now. But that business evolved. It just grew. We were doing uh, super high-end custom work for lobbies, uh, for, for hospitality. And that turned into, you know, a, as the world, uh, as, as technology advanced and the world became more sophisticated, you know, we, we were able to kind of move upwards in, in how we work. So we started buying more and more glass fabrication equipment. Most of our uh, equipment comes from Europe so it's some of the finest glass fabricating and decorating uh, apparatuses that you can get so we've got a lot of stuff here from italy and uh, germany and switzerland and so so there's a there's a melting pot of machines in here that we've uh, put our uh, you know time and money into to to create all the cool things that we do and out of that is coming uh, glass boards and and other vertical markets so we're in in the process of Kind of a growth trend when it comes to doing glass work, uh, glass boards. I'm sorry, that business has been growing. So in the last three years, I would say it's about twenty five to thirty percent of our business now, along with our custom architectural work.
1: That's excellent. So, well, people need writable surfaces. You see them all over the place. I have one in my office. I mean, we love writable surfaces. Be able to visually see things, right? So, and and, and I think it's really interesting that it is. Twenty-five or thirty percent of your current volume. Where do you anticipate it going? Like, what percentage are you trying to get to with the writable type materials?
0: Actually, just a couple of years ago, we were about five percent. I'm quite happy with where we are. I like to keep our company diverse, right? I don't. I don't want to have my hands in one pot necessarily. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ones out there. Uh, healthcare is a very strong market for us vertically. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about forty-five percent of our business. So we've grown that considerably. Nice. Uh, we're pretty much the premier decorative glass provider for healthcare projects nationally. So that's something we're putting a lot, a lot of effort in. So, you know, the the glass boards are important in healthcare. The custom Mm -hmm. work. Glass is the only non porous surface material that you can get. And so that leads into hygiene and housekeeping and keeping things clean. And, uh, you know, in today's world, right, in the last two, three years, uh, we're all concerned about being around people, absolutely. you know, without, with masks, without masks, Mm -hmm. vaccinated, unvaccinated, there's all kinds of, you know, it takes all of us to to kind of run everything here. And so we have to figure out how to make environments make sense, right. Mm -hmm. And and usable. And so my feeling is I want to cover the whole world in glass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course you're a glass manufacturer. (laughs) I would expect nothing less. Yeah. Everything should be glass. (laughs) Absolutely. That's great. We certainly in the last few years, Redefine the word cleanability, I would say, um, and the importance of something being able to really, really be cleaned effectively for lots of various different reasons. But I want to go back for just a second. You talked about equipment that you're using and going to Italy and to Europe to get machinery, which is not uncommon in our industry. I mean, having worked for several manufacturers, I know there's a lot of German machinery and things of that nature there. But tell us about that investment and what that journey's been like in bringing in, because you're based in Chicago. If I read correctly, you're in a building that was built in the 1920s, mm-hmm. right? In a suburb, a little small community outside of Chicago. So I know there's had to be some interesting conversations about modern day machinery into a 1920s building.
0: Yeah. So our building is uh, is really it's been a lot of different things. Uh it's been a bicycle company. The Monarch Bicycle Company was in here. Uh we understand Sears used it as a warehouse, you know. So before Amazon existed and all the Amazon warehouses that are going up everywhere, white building with the blue stripe yep. at the top, right?
1: This They're was
0: everywhere. a Sears uh property many, many years ago. So in the hundred years, it's been a lot of things. And we are still in the city of Chicago. We're in, within the city limits, we're not downtown. Oh. We're about 15 minutes away from from the city, so that's kind of an important part of our our day to day work. Is that we're close to the things that we do, the you know where our work goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had to adapt uh, all the things that we do to fit in this building, and that's not easy, right? We have really big pieces of equipment. Our tempering oven can do uh, 96 inch by 144 inch pieces of glass. So, how do you get that size piece of glass into, into a building, right? So we had to open up the side of the building and put in larger overhead doors and special cranes and special forklifts so that all of that material can be brought in here safely on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. Safety is a huge part of our, our, our daily work. Uh, You know, guys that are working in the factory, we have over 60 of them now and they need to, you know, not get hurt. That's an important, you know, that's our priority. Uh, and so, you know, bringing that work in here. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 been a challenge, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the cool part of being here. You know, the challenges are what makes it fun.
1: Oh, and in our industry, there are challenges that exist on all different levels. Every right? day. <laughs> Every day. So, you know, being in the Midwest, obviously you have um, resources in West Michigan Ooh. that a lot of other manufacturers tap into. But I mean, obviously I get while you're in Chicago, that's where the founders were and that's where you stayed. But what has it been like for you guys as it relates to sourcing materials in the upper Midwest?
0: That is a great question. So biggest thing that we buy is obviously raw glass. Mm -hmm. So we don't make glass. Glass is made with sand, call it broken glass. Okay. That is made at a facility in Pennsylvania. Uh, We work with Vitro architectural glass. They're one of the world's largest glass manufacturers in the world. They uh, have been our provider for many, many years. Uh, So we source, we're kind of a single source. Mm -hmm. Most of our glass is low iron. Uh, Vitro's low iron product is Starfire. And we like to maintain consistency.
1: All right, so I have a couple of questions for you. I know the answer, but I'm not sure all of our audience and listeners know the answer. So, raw glass, meaning big sheets of glass, you're buying from Vitro in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. They're shipping it to you, mm-hmm. and then you take it and transform it into your architectural product or your glassboard product. Correct. But explain low iron and what does that mean, and why is that important?
0: Great question. So, low iron uh, for interior decorative purposes is really for color consistency. Normal glass, regular glass, plate glass, uh, it has a green uh, hue to it, as everyone knows. So when we do our work, which has a lot of color in it, when we're back painting for the whiteboards or when we're digitally printing photographic images, Mm -hmm. uh, that green will transfer through because a lot of the work that we do is seen through the glass. So you're looking at the clear surface of a piece of glass and then the decorating is usually on the opposite side. With low iron, Starfire product, there's almost no green in it. The clarity is there, right? The optical clearness that's needed to have those colors be, you know, the reds are reds and the blues Mm. are blues. And that's an important part of what we do. So I would say 90% of the product that goes through here is low iron, Starfire.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: Because of the nature of what we do. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think you explained it really well for those people that didn't understand what low iron means and the comparison of them. I mean, if you painted something cherry red that was on not low iron glass, it's going to be cherry red with a green tint,
0: which is brown, <laughs> which is probably like a yeah. If you if you mix if you mix red and green together, I think you get brown. <laughs> okay,
1: get that's that. more advanced than I know. <laughs> uh,
0: and you know what, the firms that we work with out there. You know they're they're demanding uh, uh, you know exactness and accuracy and you know so we have to do that we've been doing that for a long time we know how to you know fulfill those kinds of things.
1: Well, I think one of the interesting things about the the component of the industry that you're in is how we've seen over the last ten or fifteen years how architects and designers are using glass. In the building design and construction that we had not seen previously. For example, lining a wall with a with a patterned glass or painting, putting back painted glass on a wall in a hallway around elevator banks and things of that nature. It's been really interesting to see mm-hmm. how they're taking that medium glass and using it in the aesthetic features of the interior of a building. And you're responding to that with the right kind of product, back painted pretty much any color that you want. And then you've yep. got your custom-designed architectural glass, and I noticed on your website you have a host of designers that have designed patterns for you. So, talk about that process with us.
0: Yeah. So, you know, when you have a, a wall of clear glass, you have no privacy, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, unless you're going to put in, you know, what I what I would say is not the the most beautiful uh, blinds or shades or what have you, right? So, so we we come in with, you know, of course, obviously a different methodology, right? Let's decorate that glass. Let's put something on there that's bespoke, that's branded, that makes sense to your, you know, your aesthetic, to the space, the folks that are going to ultimately work in those spaces, right? Mm-hmm. We we make it to fit the needs, right? Of architects, designers, and users. And as far as our, our collaborative efforts, that's something that no other decorative glass company, I would say even in the world has. Uh, we've spent the last, 25 years really curating the architectural, the design, the art world for some of the best designers. You know, we're going out into Europe now, which is I'm even surprised that we're able to do some of the things that we are, right? We're able to go to Europe and get some of these, some of these folks that are, you know, not even famous here yet, you know, and they will be, right? So you've got Patricia Rocchiola, who is now part of Hayworth, right? So we had Patricia. Uh, before Hayworth had her, and awesome. and she was she was new then, yeah. and and so we we have a line of patterns with her. We have uh, Schulten and Bangs out of out of Amsterdam. We have uh, the Burlek brothers out of Paris, France, and so having those kinds of collaborative efforts are really they're they've taken us up a notch in in what we can offer.
1: That's great. So one of the things that I get asked a lot about from our listeners, in fact, I got an email about it. Uh, from from a listener the other day was to really get our manufacturers that we interviewed to talk a little bit more about sustainability and the importance of sustainability and maybe some steps that you're doing to help the environment. So tell us where what your position is on sustainability and maybe some of the unique things you guys are doing.
0: Well, the biggest thing is that we're uh, using glass as our, our medium and mm-hmm. glass is recyclable all the way around. And it's going to, you know, it's not going to affect the environment in a negative way, right? So so that's kind of the main point. Uh, and then it's how we make the product here. Uh, it's our processes. We use paints that have no VOCs, right? They're water-based. Uh, we recycle all of the water that our equipment uses. We have studies done on our lighting in our facility so that we're not wasting energy. Those are the kinds of things that you know, there's a whole slew of them. We can have a podcast just on, you know, the hundred things that we do here Mm -hmm. to to keep things neat and clean, right? For the environment.
1: Sure. So talk for just a minute, people, if you don't mind about recycling water and what it is. So tell us where water is used in your manufacturing process and then how you're recycling it.
0: Right. So water is used in our, in our paint uh, department, obviously Mm -hmm. water-based paints, that's how we clean, but you know, they do get, the water doesn't come back out as water there's other things in there from the sure. paint all of our fabrication equipment like our uh polishing machine our CNCs routers our water jet machines all use water and that water is recycled in a reclaiming system so this is something that not all glass fabrication companies have so this was an inv- additional investment that we put in we put it in right away we didn't do it at, you know a year after we uh, set up the equipment. We had that machine purchased uh, along with the other ones. And so what happens is there's, you know, there's media in in the water, right? Mm-hmm. The paint or the, the, the cerium oxide that mixes with the polishing compounds that we use. But all of that stuff main is recycled. And then it removes the waste particles. And then we can properly dispose of them, whether we recycle those or have somebody come pick it up, mm-hmm. what have you, right? And so we, we take a, make a conscious effort to make sure that we're not wasting.
1: So you've got a, like a centrifuge machine and yeah, it, it's exactly it, that, yeah. it separates the chemicals and the paint and the stuff. And exactly that. Yeah. It pushes out clean water. So what would happen if you were just disposing of the water? Like, where would it go? Would it just like going to the street into the yeah, system? Yeah. I mean, I guess people Chicago? just
0: dump it in the sewer. Yeah. All right. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. And we know where that ends up likely in a river or a lake or something like that.
0: Right. And (laughs) it ends up where it shouldn't.
1: So what I think is important about this is that you're using a natural resource in the manufacturing of your product. Correct. And, you know, in some places in the world, water is very scarce, right? We also know what it's been like. I mean, I live in Texas and, you know, we went 67 days without rain this year and so it is a precious resource so you're taking it you're using it in your manufacturing in multiple areas of your manufacturing then you're cleaning it and you're taking the debris out of it and then you're taking that debris and you're recycling it or you're having someone come pick up the debris to dispose of it properly so what happens to the water then now you've got clean water again so what happens is i don't know is it classified clean water what's it actually classified once you clean i don't think
0: it has a we might not be able to answer that from a technical standpoint. Okay.
1: above uh, my pay grade. That's for sure. Yeah, that's what I was right. asking. Uh, so. We
0: just keep reusing it.
1: Okay. So you reuse it.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. We're fantastic. reusing. So it's separating the materials and then that water is running through that centrifuge, right? That's mm-hmm. what's cleaning it. And then there's a tank that it puts it back into so that those machines can then bring back that water. Yeah. That's
1: fantastic because. Yeah. So we're bringing
0: in very little additional new water every day right as it you know of course the water evaporates after time
1: sure it does you know things
0: that you know things but but we're not using brand new water every day right there's a tank that holds the dirty water there's a tank while it goes through the centrifuge then there's a tank that holds the clean water and gets reused
1: okay i really appreciate the how you describe that because i think it's important for our listeners to understand You know, it's hard when you're either watching on YouTube or, you know, listening to this on a podcast to truly understand the manufacturing process. But the way that you described it, I think is perfect. And I think it really, really addresses uh, an important conversation as it relates to how we as an industry are contributing to a better environment. You're using limited water. You're recycling it. You're reusing it. You're only disposing of, and properly disposing of the waste that comes from it. And it shows that as an as you as a leader in our industry, or being a good steward of natural resources in our environment, that's
0: very very important to the founders. It's very very important to me. Uh, it's how I you know leave things for my kids and other people's kids, and you know what they're going to do with it. Hopefully, they'll have the wherewithal to continue our. You know, uh, I wish more people did it. And and we do that with with all of our raw materials. Our paints are not thrown just thrown out. We 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 have a methodology where we can clean it up, put it back in the can, mm-hmm. and if they do need to be disposed, we can dispose of them properly. Our another area where we we look at is uh, is uh, yields on our glass sheets. So the glass sheets come in about ten foot by fourteen foot, approximately, and once they're optimized and cut from, there's always going to be leftovers, right? There's extra. So we like to keep as much as we can, some of the big stuff, and then we can use it on projects. And then we use others for samples. And then we recycle the rest of the glass. So we have a special uh, company that then uses it for landscaping and road work. And, you know, you can look up all kinds That's of great. Uh, uses for, for broken glass mm-hmm. uh, out there. But yeah, so we... We try to use everything we can to the fullest, yes. right? And to, to its limits before we uh, dispose of it or have to get rid of it. So, but there's very little left by the time we do it's
1: that. It's an important conversation about you're using Absolutely. 100% or as much as close to 100% of the product as you possibly can. Right. Because there was a time in our industry when we did the yield of the sheets, of whether it was glass or plywood, and then we just tossed it in a bin and somebody came in, picked it up, and hauled it off, now you're using it to make other projects with, you're using it to make samples with, mm-hmm. and then what is left, what small component is left, you're recycling it because glass has lots of options for second life. So important right, conversations.
0: Right. And so we separate that, right? We have a bin just for that, mm-hmm. and that gets hauled away separately. Yeah, right. that's great. So that that's a big part of our, and and that's a process we put in, When we started fabricating glass about six years ago. So it wasn't like, again, you know, like with the centrifuge, right? We didn't put it in after the fact. Like we thought of these things. Hey, we're going to have all of this glass waste. What do we do with that? Mm -hmm. Right. Where are we going to put that stuff? We're just going to throw it in the dumpster with everything else. And, you know, we did the research. When we ordered the equipment, you know, it took a year to get it all Mm -hmm. because it all has to be made and manufactured and, and shipped here and set up. And, you know, while we were waiting for it, we said, let's figure out what we're going to do with all of the leftovers and extras and what, what have you, right? And all that stuff, we had it set up. I mean, that, that was an important part of our business. One of the other things, and I, and I even said to you before we started the, the discussion today, was, you know, I, I invited you to visit me here. We're very transparent to everyone, right? We have a, a video on YouTube that we show of our factory we invite people here. Like we, we don't, there's nothing to hide in our factory. Mm-hmm. We want to show you uh, how we manufacture. We're very proud of what we do and how we do it. And, you know, so we bring people in here all the time and give them tours. And, you know, of course they're astonished. We have 150,000 square foot manufacturing space. That's like, for me, like a big laboratory, if you will. <laughs> right. That That's the fun part about me being here every day is I get to, you know, think about cool new things and, and how we develop, you know, uh different new products. So, so
1: it'd be really interesting to bring in somebody from the factory and ask them about your fun ideas and what they think about your your brainstormings that you come up with yeah, in your office. Yeah, right? you know, we,
0: we, we have a product development person and, and he I've got him now like you know he can't wait, you know, he gets text messages from me on Sunday night like, hey Tomorrow, don't, don't forget,
1: I want to talk to you about this, that, and the other, and then I want to try this stuff. That's great. Oh, my goodness. So I've really enjoyed learning all about your business and what you guys are doing and how you're doing it. I think, you know, keystones for me, domestic sourcing, you know, kudos to you, all of you and your commitment to sourcing domestically. Because it's real easy and a lot more cost effective to go buy containers worth of glass from other parts of the world, right?
0: Well, and, and so I'd like to speak to that sure. a little bit. You know, we, we have good relationships with our vendors. Mm-hmm. We consider them partners. Uh, we're very cognizant of their capabilities, right? So, you know, when, when everyone uh, around us has been saying there's, you know, uh, logistic issues, there's uh, material issues out there in the world. Uh, we don't have those because we are ahead of it, right? I I order well in advance. I uh, you know I hate to say it this way, but we pay our bills and you know we have good relationships. I mean, some, sometimes the simplest things matter, you know. And you, you kind of stay ahead of that, and and you can overcome those challenges. So you know, we during COVID, right when when it happened in March of 2020, uh, it was a hard year for us, right? We, I mean, we, we had we had some attrition in our staff. Everybody was confused, didn't know what the world was like. And, but it took us about a year. So once the year got past us, uh, we, were, we were all back in the factory and figuring out how to, how to do it. Mm-hmm. And we did it, right? And so uh, I'll speak to our lead times, right? I, you, know, you can follow us on all of our social media. We post a lot. Mm-hmm. And how our lead times are, are still great, right? We're, we're pretty much beating the competition. Our, our pricing is very competitive. And then of course our quality, that's 40 years, right? We don't, we don't uh, skip any steps here. That's great. And that's what matters.
1: Well, I think my biggest takeaway from what you just said was even in the world of corporate America, I mean, you know, and we think corporate America, we think big corporate America, but even in the corporate America in the office furniture industry, if you will, we're still people doing business with people and you have transparent partnerships, long-term relationships with your key vendors they know each other. You guys know each other. If they need something, they're going to call you. You need something that you're going to call Absolutely. them, and you're not just a number customer number six eight four two or some crazy something like that, right? You're and and I and
0: my management team have personal relationships with these folks, mm-hmm. right? We can we can reach out at any time for anything, and that's how we like to run our business, right? It's not as a business, and and I think that's important, right? To to maintain those relationships. I mean that's. Our reputation and our relationships is what's gotten us to the forty years,
1: and I believe it's what's going to help carry us through to the yeah, next. Yeah, and four. I'm
0: ready to get to fifty and sixty mm-hmm. years. Right, I'm, I'm here for the long haul, and yeah, you know that's what we want to do. We want to we want to run it this way, mm-hmm. right? We're not trying to grow too big. We we like what we have. Mm-hmm. We're very uh, fortunate to be in the in the position that we are, and we want to maintain that and you know grow it a little bit. Take care of our employees; those are the folks that matter. Uh, we're close to 100 people on our staff, and uh, you know the people uh, uh, that work here are what's what the company is made of.
1: That's fantastic. So I got one final question for
0: you. Absolutely.
1: Tell us just a little bit about your thoughts about the future of our industry. Now that's a really big question.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast, baby. I don't know.
1: It really, it really <laughs> is. You know, it really, I have a couple of upcoming episodes on the future. Got a couple of dealers coming in, talk about the future of the dealer. But I'm just interested in general. You know, what do you what do you feel the future is like for our industry?
0: So, so I'm going to use a I'm going to use a word that you know doesn't fit well right now because everybody gets kind of negative thoughts. But you know, my goal is to make our company recession proof. Mm-hmm. right? How do we do that? So it's through diversification, right? Uh, like when you asked me earlier, you know, are you okay with your glass boards business being about 25%? I'm actually very happy with that. I don't, I don't, if it's not any more than that, but our business grows relatively across the board and it stays at 25, well, then that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. We're in the healthcare markets. Uh, we're getting into more higher education. We're getting into E platforms that'll be coming up soon. So we have some opportunities out there to be diverse in the kind of work that we do, so that we can grow. And like I and I said it in our last thing, you know, we're we're pretty content with what we have, Mm -hmm. right? I feel like you know we've we've been successful already, right? And so anything we get more out of this is just icing on the cake.
1: Key term takeaway for me. Thank you for that answer, by the way. I appreciate that very much. I don't like that R word. I think we sometimes can talk ourselves into that, right? I'm going to do everything
0: I can to prevent it. (laughs) Me too. All by myself. (laughs) Me too.
1: But the key takeaway for me is, and this applies to anybody that is joining us today, whether they're a manufacturer, regardless of their size, an independent rep, a dealer, a designer, this applies across the board in our industry, which is diversification. Diversify your offering. Diversify your services. Diversify your products, in order to get greater reach within your customer base. Whichever customer, whichever one of these people that you are in our industry, right? Diversify is key, and you know I could t- actually I should have another podcast about just diversification because it's so yeah. so very important. Absolutely, to, you know, diversify. So, thank you for sharing that, people. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you join us today. We actually met for the first time in real life in at Neocon. It was great to meet yeah. you there, see your showroom, really good stuff that you guys are doing. If our community would like to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that?
0: So, our website, obviously, the easiest and fastest way, www.skydesign.com, it's spelled just like it sounds. Our phone number is 888-278-4660. Uh, and we're you're waiting for
1: you. That's awesome. So in the show notes, we will drop a link to the website, phone number, contact information awesome. for you, as well as your LinkedIn profile, company LinkedIn profile as well, Wonderful. so that everybody has it. Again, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate it very thank much. You Guys go out there and make today great. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Trend Report Podcast. I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that you got some amazing value out of today's conversation. For more about our podcast and this episode and our other episodes, please visit my website at SidMeadows.com. We look forward to seeing you next week and go out there and make today great.